0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. I'm your host, David Berg, and I'm here with my co-host Michael, as well as our latest guest, Greg Alpatov. Greg is from Brooklyn, New York, and he now lives in Miami. We're actually recording at his residency. Greg is the head of sales for an early stage tech startup and has almost a decade in sales experience prior to that. So for any of you aspiring young entrepreneurs or sales roles, Greg would be your guy. We're going to learn a lot from him during this episode. We're going to talk about some new topics that might be new to the show. Um, but we're excited to have Greg on the show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Greg, if you could just start, give us a little background. How did you get into sales initially? And what does your role look like today?
1: Yeah, um, it's a crazy story. When I was uh, 15 years old, I um, I was a stock boy at a, uh, a clothing store. Okay. Basically, just because I, I... Prior to that, I was working as a busboy at a restaurant. And I spent all my money at a clothing store. At the time, I'm a little bit older than you. At the time, I was like buying True Religion jeans and Ed Hardy. That was big at the time, that was big at the time. This is like circa 2014. Okay. Right. And, um, I spent all my money at this clothing store. So I asked them, I'm like, Hey, could I work for you guys? And in order for me to get a discount. So I started as a stock boy. And then when the store would get really, really busy, the owner would only have girls selling the clothes. And then when it would get really busy, I would have to step on the floor and you know talk to the customers, sell some jeans, and then the owner quickly realized that I was selling more than some of the, some of the, the girls that he traditionally had in that, in that role. Right. So I started selling that and I quickly at the age of like 15 realized that I have a knack for this.
0: Were you better looking than the girls? Was that the, was the secret? That point. was the, that's what the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it worked out. And so prior to that, when you were in high school, middle school, did you have an idea of what path you want to go down? Zero. Zero.
1: Yeah. Zero. What was on your mind? I didn't care much for school. I was just, just into having a good time. And, uh, I was very lost. Yeah. A lot of young kids are, especially at that age. I think it was a little bit better, but you know, compared to what I see today. But at the same time, I, you know, I wasn't really, wasn't really going anywhere. I didn't have a clear direction. So except for the fact I wanted to be cool. I wanted to wear cool things. So that's how I found myself in. And then luckily I got to discover that I have a knack for sales.
0: Right. And how was your family dynamic growing up? Are you an only child? Do you have siblings? What's your dynamic like?
1: I'm an only child, uh, single mother, okay. uh, which is very uncommon for Jewish people. But right. uh, because of the Soviet Union messed a lot of people's psyches up. So okay. one, I'm not going to get too much into that. But one thing yeah. led to another, that's how, that's how I grew up. But you know, i got a lot of blessings out of that as well.
0: Completely. And so you grew up in Brooklyn, New York, Brooklyn, New York. born and raised there.
1: I was born in Moscow, Russia. Wow. Immigrated to Sheepshead Bay, like okay. a lot of Russian Jews. And spent most of my life there. Went to school in Albany, New York, and then moved into the city as soon as I could.
0: Do you still have family in Russia? And do you ever visit there?
1: No, no, all the okay, Jews yeah. left.
0: Everybody left, right? Do you have any desire to go back now? Zero. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a traveler at all? Do you? I know you do New York, Miami, but
1: not really. Uh, New York, Miami. I like to work, okay. so I don't. I don't take you know a lot of time off, although I probably should. But yeah.
0: Right, so just to paint the picture for our listeners, so we can see the end product. Head of sales, tech startup. Yeah. You were in high school. Did you go to college or straight into sales?
1: I did go to college. I went to uh, state school just to get it out of the way. Um, I continued to work at that clothing store during that time. Right. Finished school. Didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. So I went to work at Saks Fifth Avenue. I don't know if it's still a thing, but uh, I was selling okay. men's suits on Fifth Avenue. Okay. Right. Uh, part of the reason I actually found the Kabbalah Center because it was right by the Kabbalah Center. But uh, selling men's suits, again, wasn't really sure Had a knack for that knew for sure that retail was not a sustainable career. As you see now, it's like pretty much dead. So uh, a lot of my friends were going into SaaS sales, which is software as a service because it the software industry changed and subs- subscription based softwares. So, um when I was around twenty four, I was really trying to break into that. And uh, at the time, I was actually I left the retail industry. I started working for uh, a friend of mine who um, who owns a bunch of restaurants in in the city. Okay. And uh, from there, I sort of wanted to, again, I always knew that I wanted to break into SaaS. So I went into a restaurant tech company because of my experience as a restaurant tech. That was my way in. And then uh, it was a really great idea. And when I started, they were at around 250000 in sales, nothing crazy. And then uh, throughout my tenure there, the company exited at a $400 million valuation. Wow. For, yeah, yeah. So
0: when you started at that initial sales role, they were doing $250,000 in sales. I'm sure the base a year, the base was probably very low and there probably wasn't a clear upside when you started there. Why did you decide to, to go with that company? Yeah,
1: it's a great question. So I worked for this guy, Eugene Rem, at the time, and I was okay. working out of a, a restaurant, uh, Lexington Brass, and I was just doing different roles. And one thing that I noticed was that, um, a lot of the uh, the manager and the the general uh, the general chef, the g- general manager and the chef at the time were both making over a hundred K a year and they were spending a third of their day putting invoices into their accounting system, like literally invoices, wow. receiving invoices. And I remember thinking to myself like, why the hell hasn't somebody come up with a solution where you could literally just take a picture of this invoice, right? right? And then a couple of years goes by, I'm like thinking about where I'm gonna break into and then let, a, you know, of course, uh, uh, a technology I saw, I saw on LinkedIn literally doing that. That
0: exact, wow. That exact
1: yeah. And I was like, I could sell the hell out of this. Right. So I literally applied for the company. You know, I didn't get the job right away. I hit up the founder. I hit up the co-founder, the head of sales at the time. Finally got the job. I saw the fact that it. I didn't need to see an upside in terms of what was physically present at the time. Right. I saw the ability that this is a hot product. And early stage startups are things that like, don't necessarily are ma- aren't necessarily manifested right away. Right. They could potentially manifest into something. That's how most companies start early stage. I knew that this was going to be a hot thing and I knew that I could sell the hell out of it. Right.
0: So to go on that initial, when you had that thought for the idea, you ended up going and now you're head of sales at this company, correct? Or this is a different company. So
1: that company exited. Okay. It sold to private equity. Uh, at the time I had stayed on for a little bit just to transition it over to, uh, another team. And then I went on and I wanted to do the whole thing all over again. Because when I started at that company, I was entry level.
0: Right. You just BDR. BDR standard. Exactly.
1: For people that don't know that, that's a, a business development representative. You're literally just cold calling and setting appointments for, for closers. Then I moved into a closer role. I was the best closer. And then I moved into a, a leadership role where my team was the best team. And then finally we exited. And then I wanted to go back to the beginning at a company that was like 250000 in revenue but I could be the head of sales this time, taking what I knew. I had a fantastic mentor at my last company, taught me everything he knew. We did a lot of things together and I could go back and basically do the whole thing all over again as the head of sales. So right now I'm at a data privacy company, which is, okay. you know. What's the name of, of it? Uh, True vault okay. So guys like me in my position usually go where the industry sort of dictates. All the hottest things, like that was a hot idea. Taking an antiquated process of taking invoices and putting them into your accounting software manually, spending. on on headcount, doing that by yourself, let AI automate that. Now, the hottest thing right now is data privacy. Everyone is talking about it, right? Right. Right. Your data, you don't know what's going on, right? You'd have a conversation with your boy. All of a sudden, you're getting ads for something on Instagram for that exact product. So my software that I'm working with now is kind of facilitating that transaction. Text that a bit. Text that a bit, yeah.
0: That's that's an interesting point you mentioned that we we talk into our phones and then you get an ad an hour or 10 minutes later. What's What is actually happening on the back end of that?
1: So, um, whenever you interact with any business or you're using like Siri, Alexa or any of these things, they're collecting your personal information and they're totally allowed to they do that.
0: Consent to that or they don't need our consent.
1: They don't in the United States do that. They do not oh. need your consent. Yes. So they're allowed to collect that. They're allowed to share that. Right. And once Meta or Facebook gets a hold of that, they start branching it off to all of their different advertisers. Right. So if you're interested in like, you know, Salvatore Ferragamo shoes. You're start, you're going to start getting blasted with those ads. And then you're going to start getting blasted with the ads of anything that's even remotely comparable to that. Right. So in there's a law that came out in 2020 called the consumer privacy act, which basically protects consumers. You have the right to go to Salvatore Ferragamo and tell him stop tracking me, stop sharing my data and most definitely do not target advertise me. Right. right. So our software basically facilitates the transaction between the consumer to the business and then from the business talking to meta telling Meta to stop tracking David Berg, stop advertising.
0: Do you have to go establishment by establishment or is your your company that you're working with now eventually going to basically take over that space where you can't take my privacy without me consenting to it. Is that a,
1: so we're a B, we're B2B. So for okay. those who don't know it's business to business, we're actually selling to the business for the business to be able to comply with these different laws. Okay. Right. So, um, basically the business has to have technology enabled on their site and through all con- consumer interfaces where enable the consumer, you being you right. to tell them, don't do any of this. So anyway, the point I'm trying to make is that it's not necessarily about like, what is it's just, I happen to have a good eye to understand like, Hey, this is a problem. This is a new law that came out right. or back in the, back then this is an antiquated process where um somebody needs to come out with a technological solution for this right. it's the same thing here right right so next time around i'll probably find another company that in 2025 2026 is more aligned with
0: the times aligned
1: with the times yeah and right. i just will just build the team and sell the hell out of it right you know?
0: so that i have a question on that but let's we'll zoom out for a second i know you have some younger guys working on your sales team today yeah. a lot of our listeners are 19 20 21 and they're all looking where do i get started how do i start thankfully i know we're similar in the sense for both in sales we've both been for many years But as a 19-year-old that isn't necessarily a good people person or has sales skills, where do they start?
1: Yeah. The best thing that you could do is literally get a sales job.
0: That would be your best advice.
1: hundred percent. Get a sales job where you're just cold calling all day long. And the beauty of that is that you could fall on your face a hundred times before you figure it out. And like there's an unlimited amount of leads for you to call. And then in the practice, you sort of figure it out, right? Because sales is is more an art form than it is a science. There are things, of course, you could learn. About how to talk to people, tonality, little tricks. But at the end of the day, it's an art. It's human interactions, It's communication. It's emotional intelligence. It's bonding with other people. Right. These are things that you cannot learn, right? When I was in college, I, I got a degree in business, which is like complete. What does that mean? <laughs> but one of the courses I took, a professional selling, okay. and the guy literally never sold a fucking thing in his life.
0: I always had that problem. You with know entrepreneurship I, class. The guy's never started a business. <laughs> wild.
1: And and he was teaching us like these complex concepts from like Harvard business review. And I was, I took that class cause I knew I was interested in it. Sure. Didn't learn a thing. Right. I learned the most thing I learned, the most I ever learned yeah. was from being in the field and then professional selling cause selling jeans is not professional selling. Right. Professional selling is process driven through technology, right? Like kind of what we do in SAS. Sure. Literally the most I think I ever learned day three, In 2017, when I started that entry-level job, they had me on the phones.
0: Day three. Day three. That opportunity is probably not available today for a lot of right. There's a six-month sales process. You have to learn the industry. You have to learn the the company. No,
1: no, they had me on the phone setting appointments.
0: Setting. Okay. So you weren't you weren't closing deals yet, but you that's still a quick turnaround time.
1: It's it's still a quick turnaround time because at the end of the day, there's a limited amount of restaurants to call. Right. Call them all. Right. Of course, there's a process, but you don't learn right. So again, back to your point. If I'm 19 years old. Maybe I'm going to college maybe I'm not going to college get a job as a BDR SDR sales development representative business development representative the industry is flooded with tech startups right now that are willing to pay somebody 50k a year whatever to just to pick up the phone and create opportunities right and just fall on your face a hundred times and then right. figure it out if you're really young like there's you know other young kids that I like mentor that haven't gone to college yet literally get an internship be like I'll work for free I just want to learn that's it
0: that way they're ready to go as soon as they Nineteen twenty, they get to college they can start working
1: just do whatever whatever's required whatever the company needs just do say that yes. say yes exactly yeah
0: you and i don't have that fear from the get-go of picking up the phone and talking to people it's unfortunately people are softer in this generation we'll, we'll call them out what do you what will your advice be to them to, to not to they're afraid and they want to make money yeah everybody's
1: afraid. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's, afraid. everybody's afraid everybody's afraid myself included yeah. our nervous system aren't aren't programmed that way the best thing that you could do, I'm mentoring somebody now who works at the company. I'm like, sure. you need to reframe your nervous system, right? Talk to as many strangers as possible. One of the activities that my my old VP of sales, yeah. shout out Henry, he did, he would literally, when you were training, we were in New York at the time. He'd be like, come up to a random person on the subway and start singing in front of them. Wow, yeah. singing singing That's in front of way. them. What song? Like some rock yeah. song or like a little bit of pop. Like what's, uh, what's more that? absurd the better. Absurd the better. Fact. Now that I think right. about it, it wasn't to an individual person. It was literally we were on uh, uh, Penn Station, Thirty Fourth Street. Stand there and just sing. On Thirty Fourth Street is one of the busiest, you know. Right. And so sing. Like, your your reward yeah. is reprogramming your yeah. nervous system to not have any shame. Right. right. That's what you need to you need to, you need to not have any shame. So the point is that. When you do that, yes, you look insane, especially in a city that has a lot of insane people. But you're programming yourself to the point where it doesn't matter, right? right? Like, you know, you're going to a bar, you know, you see you see a girl that you like or a guy that you like, right? You come up to them and, you know, there's a certain nervousness that comes comes with that, right? right. But you program yourself where it doesn't matter, right? Your nervous system doesn't deregulate. When you make a cold call.
0: So you feel the heart beating regardless, but you just say it's not gonna stop me from doing what I plan right. to do anyways. Then
1: eventually that heart doesn't beat anymore, right? Because right? all the things that are scary to us are our are limitations, are our blockages, right? Got once we it. once we overcome them, then new levels of new dimensions open up in terms right. of what's possible.
0: So let's segue from business. Obviously, you have a lot of experiences in your personal life. Spiritually, in many other forms, we'd love for you just to take us on a journey. Let's start with Kabbalah and how you can do that. And then the other forms of spirituality that you've explored. Yeah,
1: for sure. So before even Kabbalah, like I was always into, I was always very self-reflective, which you could say is a blessing and a curse from the age of 16. I was like, without any proper guidance, I was like, there's something wrong with what what's going on. And now obviously at at my current stage, I can't ever, I, I, I have the tools to know that there's nothing ever wrong. Right. And it's all perfect. But at the time it was like, it was, it was my soul telling me that, Hey, something's wrong. You're in this like weird place and you need to change. Otherwise, like things are gonna go terribly wrong. And it it was true. Wow,
0: you felt that internally.
1: Yeah, my soul was course correcting, right? I never bought into any of the bullshit. Like you have to, if you're anxious or you're depressed, you have to take anti-anxiety medication. That's just you quieting your soul. So the first thing I did is I got a therapist, right? When I was early on in my my path, right? That really helped me understand my inner world, right? At least at the base level. Like therapy doesn't address matters of the spirit or the soul but it's a great start. And in fact, I recommend it for everybody, if it doesn't matter your spiritual journey, if you want to like self reflect, if you want to have some, somebody to help you understand your inner world, where you come from, at least in this, in this incarnation, that's a great place to start. So I did that for many years, but of course there's something always missing, right? You want to address matters of the soul. You want to understand, and you need a spiritual path. So I was always very interested in a lot of things and I was born Jewish. So I was always kind of intrigued by religion or spirituality. And I explored different things. Of course, I explored, you know, traditional Judaism in its current form, right? The way that it's run by Chabad or Lubavitch didn't work for me. I was like, from an early age, again, I was, I wasn't a typical six year old. But when they're trying to teach me, like, oh, you have to keep kosher because the Torah says so. You, s- you said it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't work for me, right? I'm like, what do you mean the Torah like, said six, so?
0: Six. You were six yeah, years I was six old. old? Wow. And you are, and even then you already were like, I need to understand why I'm doing these things. or
1: Yes. Yeah. Wow. This is bullshit. This is just to control people, right? So I was like, I was pretty much like atheist for many years because wow. of my experiences. And then I, 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 I branched out deep. I went into Christianity. I tried to explore that. Really? I did a little bit of Jews for Jesus. Okay. I tried to find like,
0: how is that like, cause I've heard many things about it I've never experienced it first. What, what is the premise of it?
1: Me speaking to it now, yeah. I think that all these things, all these, they're all systems. They all have places and they're all certain souls are attracted to certain systems. Scientology, there's more secular approaches that don't really talk about God, like Landmark Forum, okay. right? All of these things have a place in our society. They're all paths, right? Like Karen Berg used to say, right. there's many paths up the mountain, right? They all lead to the same place, right? You just have to find what path works for you. Right. So I tried a lot of different things. I even looked into Islam.
0: What is difference that you experienced when you, when you looked into it?
1: Just... I, I didn't know about Sufism at the time, which okay. is Islamic, uh, mysticism. Right. I've, I've know that now from my studies in Kabbalah of like seeing like different mystic traditions. Like Christians have Gnosticism. Okay. Muslims have Sufism. And of course, Jews that really dive deep have myst, like Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah, sure. or even, you know, the way that the Kabbalah Center teaches it. It's not just, it's for anybody that wants to learn, right? So, right. you know, um, so. I explored all these different things and I didn't find what I connected with in anything. And then when I was 20, I went on, I was just like in college, I went on a free trip to Israel okay. and with uh, Asia Torah, yep. shout out them. Sure. One
0: or two people are probably studying there
1: now. Fantastic. If it wasn't for them, a lot of things wouldn't have happened. Wow. And then um, what I didn't know at the time was that they started teaching a little bit of Kabbalah because of the work that the Kabbalah Center already opened, right? Like. The Robin Karen opened up a reality, a timeline where people could start learning this stuff because it was closed for so many years, right? And other Jewish organizations or other organizations started teaching a little bit of that. So I connected to that. I didn't connect to traditional Judaism at the time. And I was like, wow, something is, something is interesting here. My whole idea of this whole system does not align with my prior.
0: Did you have a stigma of Kabbalah before you, before you studied at the
1: Kabbalah Center? Or no. You never heard of it before. I never heard of it before. I only had, I only knew I only thought of like it in, as, as it relates to Judaism. You
0: thought it was an extension of Judaism. I thought
1: it was an extension of this restrictive thing that doesn't explain anything and just controls people. Right. I didn't know that it's like a whole spiritual path. Right. And then I found it, but I still wasn't bought into like how it was being taught through other types of organizations that are more, you know, controlled by the establishment. So I literally had this thought and now I I could, I could understand that it's divinely inspired where it was like, okay, I'm going to find an organization that more aligns with my values that I can, I, could, I can learn this wisdom through. So I literally came back, I googled Kabbalah, and I found the Kabbalah Center.
0: Wow, and this was in New York at the time?
1: This was in New York at the time. Okay. Crazy story. Yeah. I didn't go to the Kabbalah Center for four years after I found it. It was a conscious decision. I went to work at Saks Fifth Avenue, okay. and it was on 50th and 5th, right? The Kabbalah Center is on 48th and Lex. Right. Every Friday when I was working, selling suits, people would come in dressed in white. And at the time I was like a 22 year old punk. Like, I'm like, where are you guys going to like, you know, do Some, a ra- go a to a rave, rave or something. Yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, no, they were like, oh, we're just, we're actually going to Shabbat at the Kabbalah center. And I was so confused by that.
0: You're a curious guy. You probably pressed them a little bit more like, why, why are you guys wearing white to Shabbat, right? That wasn't.
1: Of course, you know, I got the answers and it, and it resonated with me. And then still I didn't go at the time. And then the final, the tipping the tipping point was two years later, I was managing a sneaker store in, um, uh, in Soho at the time, right? right? And some dude walks in from Australia with the, um, tree of life, the tense throat tattooed on his, on his left arm. And I remember that symbol, right? And I asked him, I'm like, what's that all about? And he goes, he's like, yeah, that's, that's XYZ. I'm actually in town from Melbourne, um, because Karen Berg's in town, right? From the Kabbalah Center. And I was like,
0: what does that even mean? I
1: was like, like this is definitely a sign for me. There was a lot of things in between that, but for some reason, I was being called to this. Sure. So I literally the next on on uh, um, that that same day, I literally just signed up for a class.
0: Okay. So you mentioned your Kabbalah spiritual wisdom, the path that you took there. Have you explored any other paths that correspond to Kabbalah or that have that Kabbalah's opened up for you?
1: Yeah, uh, totally. I mean, I still I still go to therapy because I think that that is an important to work with somebody to be able to understand the dynamics of your psyche especially as you're reframing your belief systems in terms of how the universe works as you're learning all of the different tools. The the great thing about Kabbalah, it will 100% teach you the secrets of the universe. Whether you're ready to understand those secrets, that all depends on the level that you're at. To incorporate that into other spiritual practices, like what I believe is therapy, is fantastic, right? So
0: You said it teaches you the secrets to the universe. it's a very lofty idea. What has it done for you?
1: What has it done for me? Good question. So, I mean, it's it's taught me and it it allowed me to sort of start seeing the blind spots of like, I think we're all born with, again, taking it back to a couple of we're all born with inner light that we've already manifested. Like, that's just base stuff, right? That's based on how you look, how, what kind of family you have, like the stuff that you don't basically like are just, are just manifesting from the get go. Sure. And then you have also surrounding light, which is you're yet to manifest. Right. And these are things that you have to earn in this incarnation or the next incarnation, right? So, uh, again, this is not an endor, like this is not how the Kabbalah yeah, Center yeah. necessarily looks at this. This is just how are Greg Alpatov, sponsor, this is, yeah, this is how-, how I rationalize some of these ideas. What's interesting about that is that it's it's taught me to see where I was, what I was doing in terms of my conditioning to prevent more surrounding light or blessings from coming in, right? For example, because we're all sort of like. We all have psyche structures that are based on our childhoods, right? Because some things of our childhood were peaceful. Some things were very dangerous, whether it's real physical danger, right? Or whether it's actually perceived danger, we're creating walls to protect our psyche from being too ruffled up to also institutionalize us into the common world, to be able to interact with people in a healthy way and be, you know, a functional member of society. Those same structures are also keeping you from achieving your higher level. So it's a complicated dance between understanding what you need to keep in order to survive and what you need to let go of to go to your next level. The Like Kabbalah and I would assume most spiritual systems teach the tools to be able to expand that process and to start very consciously breaking down some of those walls to let more things into your psyche or your soul, whatever you want to call it, right. to allow more blessings to come in or more, I know that sounds very esoteric. More practical example of that would be for like for me, for example, because I grew up what I perceive as a straight up war zone growing up, Russian Jewish immigrant growing up, my whole community was African-Americans, Puerto Ricans and Russian Jews.
0: Wow. So just like a mesh pit
1: of like of everything. Yeah. So specifically, I had to create like now my understanding, I had to create certain structures in my psyche to be able to survive that environment. For example, I was very reactive right? You have to be reactive, right? Because in order to survive, when someone is trying to press you in the streets, right? 13-year-old kid. get That's a- what you were experiencing. Wow. Yeah. Have to be very reactive. These things help you survive in the environment where you're at, but in terms of like going further and then this like literally ghetto Russian Jewish kid from Brooklyn coming into like Manhattan to start working in his 20s, tap yourself into a spiritual path of wisdom that teaches you lessons. It almost the way that I look about it. It reparents you. It's like a system to reparent you, right? In tech, we have a concept called an incubator, sure. right? Which comes from the concept of a baby being born prematurely, right? right? There's a famous company called Y Combinator. Yep. Both of my, uh, both of my startups that I was uh, that I'm at now came out of Y Combinator. Really? Serena Williams's husband or Alexis Ohanian used to run it. Yeah. So, um, so baby, basically, what's what's a what's an incubator? A baby that's born prematurely goes into this pod and it gives it all of the resources that it needs. So in tech, a founder, brilliant founder has a brilliant idea that's gonna revolutionize the world. Doesn't know a thing about business, doesn't know a thing about money. sales, doesn't know a thing about raising money. He joins an incubator, right? And then the incubator basically supports this and gives it all of the physical and almost metaphysical resources that it needs to manifest into a $400 million company, right? right. So there are also for people like me and the way that I rationalize it there's they're spiritual incubators, right? Whatever level you're at, find a spiritual system that will incubate you, that you could tap into 4,000 year old proven wisdom, right? Or whatever it is. It doesn't, Kabbalah doesn't have to be for everybody. You could do, but you can find a different form, right? But then from there, you take those lessons and you slowly, it's not going to happen overnight because you still need those walls. You still need those structures, right? In order to protect you and help you survive, it has to be very slow transition. You allow that wisdom to enter and penetrate your mind for you to expand and show up differently. For example, right now, I'm the head of sales of an organization that's growing very rapidly. I'm constantly presented with things that if it was 10 years ago, I would literally just snap and I'd be like, what the fuck are we doing? Really? Why? Why?
0: And what would, what would it, just you were reactive? There was no...
1: Exactly. And that could, that could botch the whole opportunity, right? Because at my level, you can't do that, right? So how are you approaching it now? Approaching it now, I'm using the wisdom. I'm reconditioning my psyche. I pause and I'm like, okay, what's really going on here, right? Am I actually being presented with a real threat or is it a perceived threat based on how I, the structure of my mind from the past. Grew up in the way. Yeah, right. And I could able, I'm able to just stop. I know for sure that I don't react in the moment, especially when I'm emotionally charged up. And then based on that, I take a couple of days. Most of the time what ends up happening is I cool off and I see things from a clear point of view that there was no actual threat there.
0: You mentioned Y Combinator, a buddy of mine actually works with Y Combinator for, I don't know the extent of it, but he talks to companies, and then if they're a qualified company, he'll go and present that to a hedge fund or an investor. I know you're in sales, but sales and raising money are very one and the same. I know your last founder raised a ton of money. What would your advice to him be in finding the right companies and then ultimately assisting with the raise of, of money to those companies?
1: I'm looking to see a couple of things first off the more obvious things are like, do they have a product market fit? Like, is this the right? And it's not just about the product market fit. Is this the right time for that thing to come about? I have a buddy who worked at a company in 2013 that basically failed, who was doing QR code scanning for uh, in 2013. They were just basically like screw paper menus, QR codes, right? Or like a, like a, yeah, like a URL at the bar, right? They failed. Right.
0: Now it's the hottest thing that ever, since the iPhone. Right.
1: Exactly. COVID happens. Wow. There's a couple of other companies. They didn't make it to 2020 COVID happens. The hottest thing ever. What there's they, a,
0: what did they do wrong? Was the market not there yet? The market just wasn't, didn't see the value in it.
1: Guy just, it, it. the idea was too early for his time. Right? So there's a quote that I really like. Millionaires don't follow astrology. Billionaires do.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: So you could become a millionaire just by sheer will become a billionaire to really start aggregating serious levels of capital you have to understand the spiritual dynamics of how the world actually works
0: so would you make the argument that elon musk either is very spiritual or is not a real person one of the two
1: i would it would be crazy to believe that elon musk does not have some sort of spiritual advisors that are getting him to understand dimensions that are beyond the third right you know, for sure
0: we're both aquarius which for those of you that don't know, Aquarius is usually manifest things very quickly. We are reactive because we see visions ahead and we like to just jump on them. Do you use astrology and the fact that you're an Aquarius is it a thought when you're launching a business, working at a company, leading a sales team?
1: So it brings me to the second point. If, if I were to give sure. somebody advice is, I don't know about like a, like a transactional situation where you're just like helping somebody facilitate a buy or, or raising money. But when you're looking to work with people, you want to make sure the most important thing like for a head of sales, somebody who runs the sales org, the most important thing, even more important than whether this thing is a product market fit at the right time is whether or not you could get along with the CEO. And I think astrology has a lot of insights to offer us in terms of like the psychodynamic aspects of someone's personality. And I think that there is definitely things that we could learn. Like for example, my CEO now who I love, he's a Libra, right? Aquariuses get along with other air signs. Coincidence? I don't think so.
0: To, to go back, we spoke about your successes, your spiritual journey. This challenges in every successful person, both spiritually and in your professional life. What is your current biggest challenge that you face today?
1: So you classify me as successful. I think compared to some of the people that mentor me, I'm just literally just getting started and I'm very blessed that I have a little inkling of whatever you would define as success. Current challenges, I'm still very much dealing with all of these things, right? These things are sort of, I'm getting control of them and I'm becoming aware of them. However, I'm still very reactive. I was just on a call today, which made me very reactive. And I had to literally just shut off my camera, shut up, put myself on mute and just not talk for the whole call. Really? Yeah, because I'm emotionally charged and right. anything that I could say, even if it's like well thought out through logic... Would have been reactive? Would have been reactive at that point. And what's interesting is I believe that the universe is just testing us, right? It's not like I have to say something because no one asked me any questions. But if I would have interjected and I would have said something... I would have added some of my energy at the time and it's very powerful energy to that conversation that would have potentially manipulated the structure of that situation forever, you know? So that's a big challenge, right? And I'm, so another big challenge is I'm like, I don't look at him as like challenges. I look at it as like what level you're at because there's other versions of Greg, right? The version of me 10 years ago is very different than the version of me now. The version of me at 16 to 24 is very different. So I'm very excited about like, continuing to grow spiritually i'm very excited about what's the 44 year old version of me right. what's the 54 year old version of me you know right. what i mean and continuing on that that spiritual journey that's super powerful and i feel like that's super like just reminds me of like the spider-man like multiverse you know like different versions of greg that you're just tapping into and but that's really what it is right like we have a choice to choose what type of greg am i going to be today or mike or david right like yeah. it's really i feel like per, per your perspective right your perspective really controls your day. Well, it's also like not to get too esoteric into it. How do you actually know that your mindset is not affecting the reality that you perceive? Meaning how do you know that because of the choices that you made, you didn't go to sleep and then something is manifesting in the external environment that is very different, right? They call it in, in, in esoteric terms, they call it different timelines, Right. right? Based on, I believe based on the work that we do, the real difficult work to go against our nature, we are literally entering different timelines, right? In quantum physics, they call it like multiverse, right? You're entering a different universe.
0: Right. Well, I think even times of Kabbalah, Kabbalah always says the most thing as time, which is space and emotion, right? Yeah. Which is an illusion. Which is, right? right? What, is yeah, that, what does yeah, that mean? Yeah, right? yeah. It's exactly that. It's that our perception of everything can be a complete illusion. And it probably is because we see so little of what really exists. Greg, it's been a pleasure having you on. I'd like oh. to end off, and you always do this, but our listeners, one thing that
1: your 20-year-old self wish he knew that you know today. There's so many different things. A couple of things right off the bat is don't be reactive no matter what. If you're emotionally charged by a situation, just wait it out until you're not emotionally charged and then and then go back to that situation. Another thing is don't be so quick to judge people, right? Because, you know, how can you possibly know that your perception of that moment is exactly what the truth is, right? We never know the truth, right? Another thing uh is work on Establishing a healthier relationship with yourself because a lot of the things that that cause you pain are based on just blockages because of like thing, things that are unsolved within our psyche, you know? And those blockages are what prevent you, right? The blockages keep us from saving money. Those blockages are what keep us from going to our next level in our career, right? Those blockages are what keep us from seeing ourselves in the full capacity to know what we need to work on.
0: Absolutely. Greg. Pleasure chatting with you, brother. Always great having you on. We'll definitely have Greg on again later. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Our next guest, the first female guest on the show. She's a realtor based in Miami, Florida. If you guys are looking for apartments anywhere from Fort Lauderdale all the way down to South Miami Beach, she's your person. Bunch of spiritual guidance that we'll receive from her too, but her professional life is exciting as well. Thanks all right.